Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Didn't it feel like spring the last couple of days? Longer days, sun is shining. I got my bees. I got my bees and if you don't know why keep bees. They were on hiatus for a year. They all died a couple years ago. So they had to import. We had to import some more. We got them from they uh, from uh, Australia and they came and I was poking around them yesterday and they let me know that they were happy to see me. Uh, two of them anyway. And uh, just wonderful time that spring is because Easter is coming just so quick, three weeks away. Uh, and we'll be there. Does it feel like the year is moving fast? Anybody? Yeah. My goodness. And if you haven't been baptized, or you'd like to be baptized, I should say, we have baptisms on Easter Sunday, and it's the best. Because it's at our sunrise service, at the ocean, and you feel like so organic, it's so touchy-feely, everything, all the, the birds are singing, the sun is shining, people are around, it's cold, and you'll remember it. But in all seriousness, if you want to get baptized, it's that coming up. Uh, Go to horizonfam.ca and you can register for that. Or if you know somebody uh, that is needing to be baptized, uh, Princeton campus is getting ready to do some community outreach on Easter Sunday. So it's or on Easter weekend, I should say. Uh, There's a lot happening. And if you haven't already, uh, be thinking of someone who you can invite to Easter service. We have three eyes that we talk about. Uh, We invest in relationship, we intercede for people, and then we invite them uh, into our life, into our homes, and even into a Sunday service as well. So be thinking about that. And uh, let's continue on in our last message in our series, and then we'll pick up something new next week. But Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there. We've been reading this for the last number of weeks, 42 to 47, the early church. This was just after an incredible revival, and uh, where God moved Thousands of people came to know Jesus uh, in one day, 3,000, and uh, they had to figure out how they were going to handle this great uh, ingathering of people that came to know Jesus. And so they, they, they uh, just naturally did some things that are instructive and still applicable for us today, even though they're thousands of years ago. And so we'll pick it up in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. And why would we look at this church in particular? 2,000 years ago in, in Jerusalem, in a little country uh, that is still a very small country, Israel. But when we look at that church, from that church came the church, the church of Jesus Christ that has gone all over the globe. Billions of people have come to know Jesus because of what started here. And so we see that this was a church that saw lots of people getting saved. This was a church that saw addicts get set free. This was a church that saw miracles. This was a church that saw deliverance. 
This was a church that, that, that the, the people around them says, turn the world upside down. This was a church that was making an impact in its world for good and for God. And wouldn't it be great to have that kind of a church in Canada again? That was a little mumble. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of a church in Canada again? A church seeing people saved. A church seeing people delivered. A church seeing addicts set free, families restored. Like, wouldn't it be great to be a part of that kind of a church? So it's up to us. We get to be a part of that kind of a church. And we adjust to and align with what God is saying and calling us to. Revive your church according to your word. And we talked a, a couple of times now about draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to us. And God, when we draw near to him, Acts 3 and 19 reminds us that he brings times of refreshing. Times of refreshing from the presence of God. God refreshes us so that we can bring refreshing to the world. God revives us so that we can bring life to the world. And it all starts with the people of God. The problems of the world out there are the responsibility of the people in here and in the house of the Lord and that call themselves the family and the people of God. The revival that we need is first in us. In the church of Jesus, so that the world can Come to know God through the people of God. Daniel kicked off this series by asking us this question. Though humans are social creatures, with the rise of social media and digital communication, is it possible that our culture is becoming lonelier than ever? We pursue our own agenda in the cafes, on the buses, and in other public places with our eyes on our devices, missing the opportunities for connections. Yet we see a growing incompatibility between the reality of our individualistic culture and the longing and desire of our soul for meaningful community and connection. As followers of Jesus, we believe that we are created by, created by a relational God who created us for relationship with him and from that relationship to have relationship with one another and with the world around us. A relational God created us for relationship with him and with one another. And everything flows out of relationship with him and one another. And so based on that passage that we just read, we've talked about this, this concept called koinonia. It's often translated fellowship, where the people of God come together around a common thing or a common purpose, to have all things in common. But the primary focus of our commonality as people of God is not on our allied, our, uh, our same political persuasion. It's not on where we come from. It's not on the nation that we're a part of. We come together around the person of Jesus Christ, and we have that in common. And the reality is that everything else comes below that in terms of what we are about. Our commonality, first and foremost, is Jesus. Jesus, the person and the way of Jesus. And this word speaks of coming together because we are, we are not only created for community, we are called to community centered around Jesus. And we've been talking about ancient pathways that started 2,000 years ago and really were grounded in the Old Testament far beyond that where we come and 
Say, God, would you move in our nation? God, would you move in our church? Would you move in my life? And the transformation of God is still possible for the people of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would speak to us individually, not for the person only beside us, but also for us, not for the person somewhere else, but for us. Open our eyes and our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a real fascination right now in our uh, movies with superheroes, superheroes with superpowers. And they're quite intriguing because who wouldn't want a superpower? I would. I don't know about you, but there are some people who are right into it. It's all fantasy and imagination. We know that. Well, I think we all know that. If you've ever seen Comic-Con, I think there are some people who think they are superpowered. We'll leave that for another day, but we see that happening. The Marvel Universe has lots of superheroes. The Black Panther had enhanced senses. He has martial artists. He has vibranium-assisted special suit that he wears. Or Groot, who is a tree. And from Groot, he can, little buds will form, and and he's still a good fighter. He has very limited vocabulary, but he's a talented combatant, and he has all these superpowers. Like, wouldn't it be neat to have a superpower that at the end of the day, you could just fly home? No, no vehicle, no thing, just fly home and you just go and go home. Or, or wouldn't it be great to have a superpower that you could go like that and you could clean up after your kids? Some of you would pay money for that right now. Or maybe you would love to have that superpower that you could eat whatever you want and it would not hurt you in any way. But seriously, we all have different challenges in our life where we could use more power, where we're, maybe we're waiting on God for that wind. We're waiting for that shift. We're waiting for that breakthrough. We're waiting for something to, to change in our lives or in our, the lives of our family where maybe the pressure of life is coming on you in so many ways. Or maybe there's marital or family strife happening for you and you're just saying, God, we need help. We need, we need some power to happen here. Or maybe there's friends or family that are far from God who, or who have walked away from God despite once knowing him and walking with him. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety and worry and you'd like to see that kind of end for you. Maybe you're struggling with your identity and confused about who God made you. Maybe you're finding your right on the edge of or crossing the line into immorality in some way. I know in a room there are private struggles with various kinds of addictions, whether that's alcohol or uh, weed or other kind of drugs or pornography or food or power, comparison and jealousy. Maybe you might just be wondering as a young adult, what's my next step in life? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? What's God's plan for my life? And we've talked over the last number of weeks about several key elements around this word called koinonia. The first one being that it's centered, obviously it's all centered around Jesus, but we talked about the word of God and how important the word of God is. Ryan talked about that, that the word of God is our rule for life and practice. And and then we talked about how that we need to not only just read the word, but to discuss and to see God. How would your word apply to my life today, 2023 in Princeton or, or in Surrey or, or in Langley or wherever you live. And then 
The idea that we're to live on mission, to see people saved and to see people served. And as together, we're, we're moving forward together to see that happen. And last week, we talked about supporting one another, kind of our ring finger. The idea that we're in this to support one another and help one another become what God's called us to be. And there's one more that we're going to need to talk about today. Your final koinonia superpower. You didn't know that. As Christ followers, we do kind of have this special power in and through koinonia. We can use it. Every Christ follower needs it, yet it is often underutilized, overlooked, and forgotten about when we need it the most. This power can alter environments. This power can be used in walks, on bikes, on trains, planes, and automobiles. It can be used as you walk along the Similkameen River. It can be used when you walk through Surrey in the mall. This koinonia power gives strategy and insight to fight the battle that you're fighting right now to, to help you to move forward. This power travels locally, internationally. I was going to say intergalactically, but that's a little bit too far down the line. But across the world. This power can release anxiety and lift burdens. This power has been known to relieve pressure and help people through incredible uh, difficulties. This power has been known to break addictions and set people free. This power has been known to work in every demographic, every cultural group, every family group, every nation in the world. This power. So what am I talking about? Well, in Acts 2, the church had been growing and seeing the power of God and growing in favor with all the people. Everybody liked them. But if you kept going and read a little farther to chapter 4, you will see that things begin to change. Peter and John were out preaching, and the religious leaders were jealous of them because all these people were coming to them to surrender their lives to Jesus. And so late, late in the evening, or they pulled them off the street and threw them into jail, and then the next day, they bring them into a kind of a pseudo court and they begin to cross-examine them and, and, and hear their story. But they begin to threaten them and say, you cannot preach in the name of Jesus. There's no more of that. You cannot do it. And they threaten them again and let them go. And we pick it up in verse 23 of chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Say, own people. And reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to him. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and, every, and the sea and everything in them. Dropping down to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldly. They were being threatened. They were being persecuted. They were afraid. So what did they do? They went back to their own people. They went to their koinonia. They went to the people that were in their circle and they said, we need help. People, we all need someone that will carry a burden for us. We need to be people that will carry the burden for someone else. They, we need people that will support us. We need to be people that will support others. We need people that will walk with us. We need to be people that would walk with others. People who belong to each other. 
Peter, it didn't just say they went to some people. It didn't say that they went to a meeting house. It says they went to their own people. We all need our own people. And their people, their people, then raised their voices together in prayer. And here it is. They deployed the koinonia superpower, praying with and for each other. We see it in Acts 2. They were devoted to prayer. Prayer is the one that may, we might find the most difficult to do. In so many places where I say, hey, can we pray together? And it's like you've asked someone to expose the deepest secrets of their heart because we're like, I can't do it. Can we talk about hockey? Yeah, I'm going to talk about hockey. Can we talk about the thing you've cooked, your recipe? Can talk about that. Can we pray? I don't know. I don't know why there is such this thing around prayer, but maybe it's because prayer is incredibly powerful. Never underestimate the power of people praying with you and for you. Every one of us needs someone that's praying with us and for us. The battle is hard. The challenges of life are great. The enemy is warring against your very soul. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So every one of us, the person on your left and the person on your right, you right there, the person in front of you, the person beside you, the person who's watching online, every one of us need this power of people praying with us and people praying for us. And we see that this church continued to do that. As the church expanded and moved into other areas, the Apostle Paul would go off into various places and preach and start churches, and he did it in many, many cities. And we find him in writing to the church in Corinth, and he was writing there to give them some instruction and to, lead, to let them know how he was doing. We do not want you to be on uh, 2 Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might re not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Troubles, pressure, despair, challenges, feeling like I'm gonna die. This is heavy duty. You say, well, mine's not that level. Maybe it is. But whatever your challenge is, here's Paul shows us again. Paul goes on to say this. He has delivered us. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Let's try that one more. As you help us by your, we all need somebody praying with us and praying for us in the middle of it all. And then he goes on. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. How is it happening? God delivered us then. God will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, people praying with you, people praying for you. And he goes on to, by the favor granted to you, by in answer to the prayers of many. In other words, there are favor that is available to us. There is favor available to us that gets unlocked for us 
in response to the prayers of people together. How many of you could use a little more favor in your life? People praying with you, people praying for you in the middle of it all, that God would move on your behalf. Prayer together, prayer joined together is significant and important part of what it means to be the family of God. We all need the prayer. We, whether in Princeton or Surrey, we know troubles, we know pressures, we know challenges. We're going through things that threaten to overwhelm us. We're wondering if things are going to move or shift for us. We have our own private struggles and battles that nobody sees because we smile when we come in. But God has delivered you. God will deliver you. God will continue to deliver, to deliver you through the prayers of people praying with you and for you, not just by yourself in isolation, with you and for you. I need people praying with me and for me. I have people that I can text and say, please pray, and they know to pray for me right now, and they'll ask details later. But I have a number of people that I can just, can you pray for me, can you pray for me? Because there are times when I don't need explanation, I don't need wisdom, I need heaven to move on my behalf. We all need people. And because what prayer does, it draws us closer to God. It gives us a new perspective. See, his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. He knows the plans that he has for us. And so why not ask him in prayer? Ever feel like you're all alone? We all need people praying with us and for us. Have you ever felt like the door of opportunity keeps slamming shut for you in your business? You need someone that's praying with you and for you. Have you ever felt overwhelmed to the point where it just kind of bottles you up and you don't know what you're going to do or how you're going to break out? You kind of get stuck at times. You need people praying with you and for you. Have you ever experienced trouble or pressure financial or otherwise. We need people praying with us and for us. Have you ever felt waves of despair that threaten to overwhelm you? We need people praying with us and for us. I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that son or daughter so confused about their identity. We need people praying with us and for us. Maybe it's been so difficult at times that you believe like Paul, you despaired of life sometimes or you feel like hell is winning and gonna have the final word. We need people praying with us and for us. Not isolated, going through our battle all by ourselves, but calling in reinforcements. Will you stand with me in prayer? Will you battle with me in prayer? Will you pray through in prayer? I can't do this by myself. I need others. You need others doesn't mean that everybody knows all your life, but somebody needs to know our life. And I'm growing in that myself. Wondering maybe what are you going to do for your future? People praying with you and for you. And as Christ followers, we believe that the strength of our future is determined by who's walking with us in our present. We need our people. Just like Peter and John had their people that they went to, their koinonia, their group of people that they said, I got threatened today. I got thrown in jail. I've been told to never speak about Jesus or whatever your 
pressure is, whatever your point of contention is, whatever your struggle is, that someone that you can go and just say, will you help me and pray with me right now? I'm feeling a little rattled. I'm feeling a little stressed. I'm feeling like I don't know what to do. Will you pray with me? And together you join arm in arm, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, sometimes through text, sometimes over FaceTime. I've had people pray with me over FaceTime that God still moved. Wow. People praying with us and people praying for us. There's something about that act of doing it. Perhaps it's said it's an act of humility and God always lands on humility. Say, I need help. Will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? Sometimes then God will give a word of wisdom. Sometimes the prophetic will begin to flow. Sometimes something gets unlocked and, and, and they begin to pray something over you. Sometimes who knows what God is doing in the middle of it. But we need to be people that have someone praying with us and have someone praying for us, that we're all a person who is praying with someone and praying for someone. The battle is difficult. The challenges are great. Our world is crazy. Anybody else notice that? It's a little crazy. We need a move of God. And we need to be a people that know how to pray for one another, know how to walk together, know how to serve one another in love, know how to love, how to pray with and for each other. We don't have to agree about everything. In fact, we rarely do. But we need our people. We could do life alone, but we know that our best life is found in relationship because we are created by a relational God who created us for relationship with him and with one another. And so we need to meet, and we heard me talk about this a little bit last week, about different size groups. Sunday is awesome, and it's an important thing. And we gather to worship. We gather to hear the word of God. We gather to fellowship at some level. We gather to stand shoulder to shoulder in what God has for us, hear what God is speaking to us as a collective family. But we also need to meet in different size groups. Different size groups have different things that they do to help us in a process of being changed and transformed by the power of God. We don't just need to be informed, we need to be transformed. And that happens in the context of relationship. Jesus himself even modeled this where he had, he had the vast crowds that would come to hear him preach then he had the 70 that he sent out two by two. Then he had the 12 apostles that walked with him. Then he had Peter, James, and John that he seemed to have a closer relationship with. And the early church met publicly and house to house. It's essential, not optional. And we have Sunday, but all of this would look different a little bit according to the size of your church. But mid-sized groups like men's, women's, youth, young adults, pillars, different ones that meet together, where you get to share a little bit more than what you can on Sunday. Kind of a snapshot for your, of your life. Someone might pray for you. You might exchange numbers so that you can keep supporting one another. Then smaller groups where it's not just snapshot moments, but maybe eight to 12 people, maybe gathered in a home where you share, begin to share the details of your life and walk through that with one another. And then there's even more, a group of maybe three to five people where we're open with our life, where even though we're transparent with our issues, we're still loved and helped and supported as we walk forward in that. More than information. But the record of Scripture is that we grow faster and healthier 
with stronger relationships in our life. And here at Horizon, I want to encourage all of us, including myself, to take a step to grow in relationship. I know, and I've talked to many people, that COVID wrecked that, made many nervous, and it takes courage and effort to get going again. Some of us have had incredible difficulties in our lives already, maybe in our upbringing or in previous relationships that cause pain in our life, and it's a little nerve-wracking to say, will I open my life a little deeper again? Can I encourage you to do so? Specifically, would you consider intentionally looking around your life and say, is there three or four people around me that are likely already in your life, but with some intentional shifts, could become part of the transformation of our lives? I mean, we've used this word cohort a little bit. It just means a group of people. But three to five people gathered together, committed to helping one another grow spiritually, basically. What do they do? These five things, and I've used the hand. You've seen me that a little bit because together, all these things together will help us to do something for God, to reach forward in God, help us to be fruitful for God, help us to be loving better, to touch one another's lives in a healthier way, to be reading the Bible together. This is all out of Acts 2, 42. The last number of weeks we've been talking about this. The Bible is our rule for life and practice. It's what we, it's the plumb line that we determine what's right and wrong in our life, the Bible. And then we spend time not only just, you might not do all five of these things every time you gather with this group of people, but there needs to be some of that in our life where we actually then also discuss the word because it's good to read it, but it's also good to let the word read you, to adjust us, to challenge us, to shape us, to correct us, to, re, to, to bring hope to us together. Be missional together. It reaches the furthest. Cohorts are a great place to serve together. This, for men, is particularly uh, helpful. Men tend to do life shoulder to shoulder. When we look into the limpid pools of our eyes, generally speaking, we freeze up. We don't know what to do. But it's amazing the conversations last Sunday night for men I'm talking to, when we bowled, Lots of conversations happen shoulder to shoulder where we just were bowling and I was winning and <laughs> I wasn't winning. <laughs> there are some people, I forget who it was, who was just standing there. I don't know what he's like doing some like willing of the, the, the pins to come down, stood there for like 30 seconds and then got a strike almost every time. So whatever he was doing was working. But I say all that for men, often it's shoulder to shoulder. So missional things like helping to build something, helping to maybe go to Mexico to build a house together or doing something like that for men, hands-on is often really, really helpful. Helping uh, in some widow's home or whatever, there's all kinds of things. It might be like uh, one of our young adults groups has decided that they're going to work together to help plant five churches in Thailand. And that's what young adult people can still do. They can live on mission. They're not just all about them. No, what, no matter what you heard about Gen Z or millennials, they want to see God move in real practical ways. Or maybe it's helping your neighbor, or maybe it's serving together at the food bank in Princeton, or serving at night shift together on, uh, in Surrey or Langley. I don't know, but be as creative as the Holy Spirit is. Number four is being supportive, kind of our ring fingers. 
could be practical help. It could be using spiritual gifts and asking the Lord and praying for one another, listening, laughing, celebrating together, helping with a project. I don't know, being supportive, whatever that looks like for you, and finally praying together. Commit to praying with and for each other. Sometimes that's in the room when you're in the same room. Sometimes it's like over text. Sometimes it's uh, when, you're, when you're walking. I don't know, however it would be. But those five things, the word of God, discussing the word of God, being missional together, being supportive and praying, what could God do? So I'm asking you to consider taking a step, and it's going to be a little organic in the sense of most of us have some people in our life that if we just took a little bit of a step, a little step, and said, hey, would you be interested in helping me grow spiritually and me helping you together, one another? And just doing these five things, however that would look, whether that's in Abbotsford, with your neighbor upstairs, whether that's someone from here in your family, could be somebody who's online who maybe is up somewhere else in northern BC and they attend regularly online and maybe they gather together with people in their community. I don't know. Gathering together regularly, flexible. But we absolutely believe that we are created for and called to community centered on Jesus. We want to see and live out that kind of a church that sees people saved, that sees people served, that sees families restored, that sees people who are far from God find their way to God, that sees a, a revival of love for God and for one another in our, in our midst, that by our love for one another, that people would know that we belong to Jesus, that we're different. Not because of the stance we take on things, but because of the way that we love God and love one another. I invite you to stand to your feet. I just want you to really actually think about this and consider taking a step. Maybe you're ready to begin. Maybe you know you need to get ready to meet together with other peoples and maybe in a group of three or five in a cohort style. Maybe it will be a more formal small group in a home, that kind of a thing, a number of people. Or maybe you want to be part of a, maybe you just want to be part of it and you're saying, I can't start that. I'm, I'm not that kind of a person. Whatever it is, if you're not sure what you want, how you could do it, we want to come alongside you and help you. And you can, here in Surrey, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Mike will help. Some of them are, and they're also going to be going to tap some of you on the shoulder that don't know that you're called to it yet. And in Princeton, Pastor Jen and Praxis are going to be working with this, that we together can be a community of faith created for and called to a community centered on Jesus. But as I was sitting on a front row, I realized that this is absolutely countercultural. Started by talking about, uh, actually it was at our uh, men's meeting last week. There was some of us talking around the table, uh, around big, big chicken town, chicken. It's amazing what food does to help us. But we're chatting and uh, someone who's brand new to Canada just in a few weeks, someone who's li- who was born here, and uh, we were just talking about how Vancouver is often called and is actually, by many, many studies, the loneliest place one of the loneliest cities in North America. 
But someone made this observation too, is that once you get people started talking, they won't stop because we actually are craving and made for it. We are created for it. Whether we're an introvert and we don't say a lot, or we're an extrovert and we got lots to say, we are created for and called to community. That's where life begins to shift. That's where the Spirit of God begins to move. That's where a city begins to be shifted. That's where things begin to happen in as we are revived. Not just we need to have our personal time with the Lord, but also together. God revives us. Begins to blow on us a little bit more. Cause the embers of our faith and the embers of our hope to kind of come to life again. Begins to see again and believe through the purposes of God that have kind of waxed away. So, in this countercultural moment, we need the help of Jesus. I'm going to invite you just to maybe place your hand on your heart or maybe on your mind, and we're just going to pray for a moment and just invite the Lord to shift us. In the middle of a culture that's individualistic and all, all about me, 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 that we would live in a different way. So, Holy Spirit, by your power, I pray that you would shift my thinking. Lord, that you would break our isolationist tendencies. Lord, that you would help us in our fear of opening up. That we would more and more move into the reality of healthy people, helping people, becoming healthier together, becoming stronger together because of your word, because we apply your word and we work together, Lord Jesus. We need your help, Lord. So every mindset that we might not even be aware of, Lord, we invite you to search us and know us. Lord, that the church could be the church that you've called us to be. That we would be the men and women you've called us to be. Wherever we're at, that we would lift up our eyes to the purposes of God, that like that church in Acts 2, that we would be a church that turns the world upside down because we allowed you to turn our world upside down because we invested in relationship with you and with one another. So help us, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. So if you want to be a part of, talk to Pastor Daniel. I think he's going to be at the back. Pastor Mike is not here today. He's preaching out this week. But we're going to be taking a slow and gradual steps towards becoming a koinonia. God bless you as you go. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.